everyone. My name is Josh Scroggins. I pastor New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, in this episode, we have something very special for you. This last Sunday, as I was getting ready to preach, I had prepared a sermon, I had uh, studied, I had done all of the stuff that you do when you get ready to preach. And about a half hour before the service began, God put something else in my spirit and wanted me to preach that instead. So I went back to my office, I got a piece of paper and a pen, and I began uh, scribbling as quickly as I could any kind of points that would help me remember what it was God was telling me. And I wanted to share that with you in this episode. Now, I can't recreate what happened on Sunday. I've got uh, somewhere, I'm sure I could find the little chicken scratch notes that I've got, but the fact is that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't repeat that if I, if I tried. So rather than me trying, what I'm going to do is the uh, the message that we had ready for you, that I had ready for you for this episode, we're going to do that next week. And instead, go ahead and sit back and enjoy a recording from this Sunday. And it's going to be great. I hope you guys enjoy it. We talked about Acts 1. We've already kind of gone through Acts 2. Uh, and I started looking at Acts 3. And as I begin uh, to study that, something jumped out at me that I told Chelsea this week. I said, man, I just saw something that this will preach, but it's not for this Sunday. Little did I know. Uh, little, little did I know. God knew. He showed it to me for a reason. And I want to I wanna share with you this insight. As I thought about this this morning, I prayed about it. Um, God started just giving me something fresh, something new. And um, I want to share with you this this concept today and uh it's funny Ted says what's the what's the title of the sermon today and I was like man I didn't think of a title I'm just trying to write down I mean this is my notes right it's like chicken scratch on paper as quick as I could writing it down <laughs> letting God just pour it into me and and I said just call it hands I think it's the hands and feet or be the hands or something like that um we're gonna look at at John 5 first and we're going to read the first nine verses of this. And I want to share with you today something that is so powerful if you get it. So powerful if you understand it. And it's something that even as I begin jotting this, this down and I'm writing as quick as I can as God's pouring into me and I, I begin weeping here at the table in my office and, and it just... I feel like it is so specifically for where we are right now. John 1, or sorry, John 5, 1 to 9. And this, there was a, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, 
waiting for the moving of the water. Now, verse 4, I should, I should specify, many translations don't include this verse. So if you're reading and suddenly your translation that you're reading jumps from verse 3 to verse 5, it's because verse 4 is not in every manuscript. It's kind of there as a note, right? This is not just a statement of fact as much as it is here is the the note about why these people were doing this this was the story around this pool here's what it says for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water then whoever stepped in first after stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years when jesus saw him lying there he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. And he said, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him and says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up, while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well and took up his bed and walked. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, I ask that you would guide my words. I ask that you would open our hearts, that you would open our eyes and our minds and our ears. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray for those who are here in this room. I pray for those who are with us via the internet or are joining us from their homes. And God, I pray that you would Speak to us today in a way that encourages us and inspires us and challenges us. I love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I expect I'd be crying this early. <laughs> the, uh, the place where this man was at was a place of hopelessness. The Bible says that he had been there for 38 years. That is a long time to desperately want something. That is a long time to wait for something. That is a long time to hold on to hope. The commentary is that there was a belief there that the water would be stirred up by an angel. And again, that, there's a reason why this is not in all of the manuscripts. The oldest manuscripts we have don't include this passage about the angel stirring the water. But there are manuscripts that include this as a note. Whether this was actually an angel that stirred the water or whether this was a belief that it happened and maybe people's faith uh, was what triggered a healing, we, we don't know for sure. But here's what we do know. That every person around that pool believed with everything in them that if they were the first to get there when the water stirred, they would be healed. We also know this man had been lame for 38 years, waiting for the time when he would be healed. 
And every time he got a little bit of hope, it was snatched away from him as someone dropped down in front of him and got in first. For 38 years, every time it looked like he was almost going to be healed, it was cut off. 38 years. I got to say, I admire his persistence. But you can tell that his attitude was that of one who was hopeless. And Jesus came and asked him what could be the most obvious question in the Bible. Do you want to be healed? I've been here for 38 years trying to get healed. Do you really just, did you really just ask me that question? 38 years of, I would say yes, I want to be healed. But the problem is I don't have anyone to take me over there. And every time I try to get in there, someone else beats me to it. And Jesus, looking him in the eye, says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And what was a situation of hopelessness, of brokenness, now becomes one of healing and hope and restoration and new life. Suddenly where there was despair, there is now joy. Because Jesus Christ had come to him. He didn't come to Jesus, he couldn't. He didn't have the means to go to Jesus. He couldn't even get to a pool. Jesus came to him. And he said, do you want to be healed? That question is is a wake-up call. I I think about times where God has asked me similar questions, things that I thought for sure I knew. Let, Let me ask you, have you ever asked someone a similar question? Do you really want that? Somebody, somebody wants something that you know, maybe it's a type of food and it's way too spicy for them. So I want that. Do you really want that? Really? Give me, give me, give me. Do, do you, are you sure? Do you really want this? Yeah, I want it. Oh, right? <laughs> God does that. Do you want this? Do you really? This is really what you want. And it's so easy to just say, well, yeah, of course it's what I want. Of course it is. I wouldn't ask if I didn't want it. Except that we do ask for things we don't actually want. We think we want them. And then we get them. And then we realize we didn't want it. And yet Jesus comes to this man, and it is the presence of Jesus in front of him. It is the authority of Jesus speaking to him. Jesus with the authority that he has as God, with the authority he has, he speaks to the man and says, rise, get up, and walk. And when Jesus spoke those words, with the authority he had, the man's body obeyed. And what was broken was restored. What had been Wounded was healed. 
And the hope that he once carried was left behind at that pool as he walked away. It took the authority of Jesus walking to him, looking him in the eyes, and speaking to him to bring hope into a hopeless situation. Let's move on to to Luke 8. Luke chapter 8, we're going to go to verse 40. And we're going to read through verse 48. This is another story about someone who waited a long time. And so it was that when Jesus returned, that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet, begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him, surrounded him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? (laughs) When all denied it, it's amazing. (laughs) Jesus walking through a crowd. Everybody's pushing on him. He's, Who touched me? And everybody's like, Not me. It wasn't me. I didn't. The whole crowd just denies it. And Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? And Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. I didn't say who bumped into me. I didn't say who pressed against me. Somebody touched me. I perceived a power going out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Again, we see a woman in the same situation as the lame man earlier. She had waited this time 12 years. 12 years. And in this case, it was a woman who actually had some, this, this guy, 38 years. We don't know how old he was when he became lame, but we know that 12 years, she had gone to every doctor she could see, She had spent everything she had. She had pursued everyone that could help her or that she thought could help her. Every person that claimed that they might be able to do something for a fee. And everything she had was spent trying to find an answer. Twelve years. And in her case... She couldn't even go into society. She was unclean. 
The beggar had been lame for 38 years, but he could at least be brought into the crowds. He at least had friends and people that he could talk to. He could at least have some socialization, but not this woman. This woman was unclean. People had to be at a distance from her. She was not allowed to be in this crowd. She was not allowed to be in the city where she was, and she certainly was not, as an unclean person, allowed to touch a rabbi. But she was desperate. She had tried everything else. Her heart had been broken for so long. She had been isolated for so long. She'd spent everything she had looking for hope. But when she came into the presence of Jesus... She found her answer. She had gone from this pursuit of healing that led to nothing and cost her everything to pursuing the healer who gave her everything. But it was the presence of Jesus that brought the healing into her life. And that gets us to Acts chapter 3. And this is really the thought that kind of spurred all of this on. And, and it's interesting because this passage next week, we're going to talk about this story again next week from a very different angle. But I want to share with you the thing that God revealed to me about this that I hadn't seen before. And I told my wife, man, this is, there's a sermon in here, just not for next week. <laughs> it is. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. As a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they lay daily at the temple gate, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. So stop right there for just a minute. We're going to stop right there just, just for a second. Because I want to I wanna explore something that is very easy to miss in this passage. How many of you guys are familiar with this already? Kind of know where this is going. Silver and gold, have I none? If I say that, do you guys know what I'm talking about? We're going to get there. But here's what's going on. We, we read this story often and think about a man who's sitting there asking for alms. That's not what it says happened. If you read this, you're going to find out something. That he called out to Peter and, and, and John, he called out to them as he's being carried Right? He's being carried to the place that they normally take him. He's been lame since birth. He's never known what it is like to walk. He has never known what it is like to be able to go anywhere for himself. That means that everywhere he went, somebody carried him. Everywhere he went, somebody held him. Some of you, that's you. There are people that you are carrying every day. 
You're clinging to something. You're just doing what's right day in and day out and day in and day out. You're doing what is right, but you're not seeing anything come from it. These men, for this entire man's life, carried him back and forth every day. Every day, back and forth, back and forth. Every day, come drop him off, come pick him up. Every day, without fail, somebody carried him to this place because he couldn't walk. And I had never thought about those men before. I'd never thought about those people before. I always thought it was about this, this beggar. And then God revealed to me through this that he was not alone in this. Every day, someone who loved this man took care of this man and made sure he got to the place that he needed to go so that he could ask for alms. This is the only way he had of, of getting money. It's the only way he had of sustaining himself. And, and people would carry him. Some of you have been carrying people. You've been praying for them. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your brother, your sister, your parents. And you've been praying every day. Every day. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. But you have prayed daily, God, please help them. Please help them. God, please help them. And you have not seen anything, but every day it seems like you're just over and over and over. You're carrying them here and you're carrying them there and you carry the weight for them on your shoulders. And this man was carried every day. The people carrying him, they, they never saw a miracle Happened to this man not until that day. Let's, let's continue on here. It says, fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. <laughs> and so the man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Stop right there. The man's being carried. Can I now imagine, put yourself in the position real quick of one of these men carrying this guy. We're now carrying this guy to the place where he normally gets to ask for alms and he sees somebody and as you're carrying him, he goes, hey, <laughs> do you have anything? Could you spare some change? And Peter and John look and say, hey, hey, look over here. And the guy gets his hopes up. And why would you tell a beggar, hey, look at me over here. Why would you try to get their attention? because you're probably going to give him something, right? And he got his hopes up. Then Peter drops a bomb on him. <laughs> he says, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, <laughs> stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. 
<laughs> there's a lot of miracles that are taking place here. There is this, there's a lot of stuff happening here. Not only was the guy healed, but he actually was walking. Remember, he'd never walked before. He was born lame. Right? It took Asher quite a while to figure out how to walk. Right? People, even, even, I mean, horses can kind of do it, but they've got extra legs. This guy not only had his legs healed, he instantly had a sense of balance. He knew how to walk. He had never learned how to walk. God just put that in him. He had been lame since the womb. He had never learned how to walk. And so not only were his legs healed, his mind was given the knowledge, his ability, his body was given the balance to be able not only to walk, but to leap. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. This man, his entire life had never even known what it meant to do this. He'd seen it, but he'd never known what it meant to do it, to feel the wind coming at you as you run. He had never felt the experience of jumping with his own legs, of walking, of reaching things at a high level without someone lifting him. He had never experienced this before, and now in a moment, something that he had sought his whole life was there. Something that these men had been with him, and I keep saying men, it doesn't say men, maybe it was women, but I figure if it's, they're carrying the guy, it's probably guys. So if you're looking and saying, hey, it doesn't say men, you're right, it doesn't say men. I'm making an assumption. But these people, these friends of his, had been carrying him every single day, hoping for something, hoping he would get a break, hoping that he would be okay, wanting him to be good. And many of you have been praying and seeking and chasing after God on behalf of someone else. Let me tell you today that God does not quit. He is listening. He is working. And even though you don't see it yet, there is coming a time where they will meet a Peter. There is coming a time where God will speak to them. There's coming a time where they may be sitting by that pool feeling hopeless and Jesus will come into their life. There are times where we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and then somebody walks in the door and is an answer to that prayer. <laughs> you were. We've seen that here. Don't, don't tell me there's any such thing as too long, too far gone. Mark's not here, but he can tell you that is, <laughs> that's a lie of the devil. Forty-something years, I think. Forty-something years, maybe, maybe more. Drinking. Now he's two years plus sober. God's got a hold of his life. Don't tell me it's too late. Don't tell me it's too late. This man laying by the pool for 38 years with no hope. And Jesus shows up and speaks life into him. Don't tell me there's any such thing as too far gone. If you're still breathing, God's still working. If you're not dead, God's not done. God is still working. There is no such thing as too far gone. There is no such thing as hopeless. Not when we serve the source of hope. But by the pool, here's the point I wanted to make today. Here's what I believe God put in my spirit. Here's what, what just broke me in here in the office earlier today was this realization. The man by the pool, 38 years, broken, hopeless, 
then the authority of Jesus comes into his life. And Jesus, standing there in front of him with the authority that only Jesus has, speaks to him and says, get up and walk. And the man's healed. Fast forward and now he is on his way to Jairus' house and a woman touches him and experiences the power of Jesus and is healed. But now when we get to Acts, there's a problem because Jesus had died. He had been rose from the grave. He's gone. He's not there presently in the way that he was before. Now it's not Jesus walking into that man's life. It was Peter and John. Here's what I believe God wanted me to tell you today. Here's what I believe God changed this whole service today for so that you could hear. It is only the touch of Jesus that gives hope. It is only the touch of Jesus that can heal. It is only the authority of Jesus that can make whole. It is only the presence of Jesus that can restore. But you can be his hands. You can be his voice. You can be his physical representation on earth. Because here's what Peter said. What I have, I give to you. What did Peter have? He had the authority of Jesus. And he spoke that in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he reached down and he grabbed that man's hand and he pulled him to his feet without a second's hesitation. Maybe, just maybe, It is time for us to stop asking God to go to them. And instead, we take God with us to them. Peter easily could have saw the man and said, hey, you know what? There's a good temple right over there. You could go in there and they'll pray for you. But that's not what Peter did. Because Peter knew something. There's a temple over there. <laughs> but there's one right here too. You know, the Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Where you go, he goes. And, and he could have said, you know what, you can go over there and they'll pray for you. But why would he do that when he is carrying the presence of the Holy Spirit in him? And he walked by that man and he said, no, 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 no. What I have... I'm given to you. I carry something inside of me that you don't have, but you're about to. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise, get up, and walk. And that man was healed. Because it was still the presence of Jesus. It was still the authority of Jesus. It was still the spirit of Christ. Because Jesus had told them something. He had told them this. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey what I have taught you. And, by the way, I am with you always to the very end of the age. When you step into your work, 
Jesus steps into your work. When you step into your home, Jesus steps into your home. When you step into your car, your church, the grocery store, you are not alone when you walk into there. When you walk into that room of your child, when you step into the home of a friend that you've been praying for, you do not go alone. Jesus says, I am with you always. You are not alone. And just like the presence of Jesus healed the man lame for 38 years, just like the authority of Jesus healed the woman who touched his garment, that authority follows you when you carry it. You have that authority as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. You carry with you the authority to use his name. You ever wonder why using the Lord's name in vain is a sin? It's one of the big ten, one of the big ten commandments. It's because the name of God being used like that has power. We are not to use that flippantly. We are not to use that. That, that is meant for something. That is meant for kingdom work, for missional work. God's name, Jesus' name has power. It has authority. And it is to be used with power and authority. You have it. You have access to that. When God's people learn that truth, look out. Because that's when change happens. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.